This is Chapter 53 of the WCBS Author Talks podcast. I'm Lisa Chernkovich. Coming up, we find out how Shakespeare and 9-11 inspired the newest book from author and CBS News reporter Don Daler. Then we introduce you to former cop Joe King Oliver, who stars in a new series from bestseller Walter Mosley. Don Daler is a familiar face to those who watch CBS News. The network correspondent has covered everything from the war in Bosnia to the Columbine shooting to the recent teacher strike in West Virginia. But he tells our Wayne Cabot all that time spent in hotel rooms equals a lot of downtime for writing. He came by our lower Manhattan studios to talk about his new book, Do a Little Wrong. Look who we have here in our humble little WCBS newsroom. Hello, Don Daler. Hi, how are you doing, how you doing buddy? buddy? Good to see you. You know, Don, we all know him as the roving reporter, as the foreign correspondent once upon a time for ABC. He was at Channel 2 for a long time. He's been doing the CBS Evening News. I've seen you in West Virginia last week, right. Parkland, Florida before that. Yeah. And now you're just t- catching your breath and, and hanging with us for a moment. Catching and writing. Yep. And, and writing. Yes, writing. You know, by the way, you know what I do? I have a habit of like holding the microphone and not giving it to the guest. <laughs> so you're going to hear a lot of me. And There we go. That's much better. You are writing fiction. Yeah. And we're not talking about your newscasts. Yes. We're talking about not what you news. do on yeah. the side. I don't know how you find time to do it. Nor do I know how you do it. Because Don, is, he's got his third book out now. And I've read all three. Yes, I have. Uh, because because he's a nice guy and I like him, but also because he really can write. Oh, I mean, seriously. Which amazes me, not because you don't necessarily have the education and the wherewithal, but because we're not trained yeah. as broadcasters. We're trained to write short, get to the point, leave a lot of the other detail out. Mm-hmm. And it's exact opposite when you're writing fiction. Is that How do you do that? Well, it's interesting because I, I like to write books for fellow travelers. You know, people who are traveling or they don't have a lot of time, they don't want to read a thousand-page opus. They want to read something that has some quick activity in it, interesting characterizations, but not wordy. Right. And so in that sense, my I think my journalism background helps somewhat. It also helps in researching the books and that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I do separate those two worlds for me. There was a period of time where I made documentaries which have longer scripts and you can be more descriptive in them. Uh, And so there, there is a crossover there, but it is, it's so beneficial to me. It's so therapeutic to me to write fiction because that's a world and situations I can control. I can't control a kid going into a school and shooting up a school. When I have to report about that, I have to report the facts. I can't save anybody. In my books, I can save people. And it really does help you at the end of the day kind of feel okay about about things. That makes perfect sense when I see your character in the book, uh, Kyle Royce. Kyle Royce, I picture him as being Don Daler, to be honest with you. He's, <laughs> he's much this, younger, much better looking. He's this good looking superhero <laughs> of a human being who is who's got a ton of cash. Yeah. Um, just like Don Daler. Right, exactly. Who like everybody in broadcasting, <laughs> who um who has decided he's gonna fix what's wrong with the world. He's gonna rescue people who need rescuing. 
who's going to drive the coolest Lambos along the way yeah. and date swimsuit models along the way. Yeah. He's a guy you kind of want to punch in the face if he wasn't yeah. so likable. How did you make a character who you want to just hate him, yeah. but he's so cool? I came up with the original concept of Kyle thinking that if I had all the resources available, what, how would I use them? And, and of course, being a human being, I would enjoy them like Kyle does. But some of that, in fact, a lot of that is somewhat of a cover. You know, he does drive sports cars. He lives in a, in a, a penthouse. He owns the building. He dates interesting, beautiful women. But his real calling in life, um, because of his background and having lost his parents in mysterious ways, uh, is to help find the unfindable one person at a time. He's not trying to to do it writ large. He's just saying, I can make a difference in, in one family or one community or one person's life. And so they, he has a foundation and they go through a number of candidates that have either come to them on appeal or somebody else has told them about it. And they just, this foundation that he has, they sit down and they decide who is worthy or who is in so much trouble that the the government, the police, the FBI, everybody else has given up on finding this person or people. And that's where this foundation steps in. You weave 9-11 into it. Yeah. He disappears, uh, not, not the main character, but one of the characters who is presumed to be dead in the attack turns up not to be dead at all, and he used it as a convenient excuse to make a run for it. Right. Um, and in your descriptions of, of what had happened that day, I, mean, I guess what I want to ask you is, did you have any trepidation of using 9-11 as a plot line? I absolutely did, uh, because I was down there reported, like many of us who were working here in the city, and witnessed everything that happened. But what struck me on that during those weeks after 9-11 was how many of the friends and family members of the missing would come up and talk about hoping that that they were they had amnesia that maybe they'd hit their head right. or you know that something happened and they were lost in the paperwork at a hospital and they they clung to that tiny little tendril of hope that it, they weren't dead and i and i remember thinking back then that you know if somebody wanted to just go away there would never be a better moment for them to do that to, because there were so many people who were never recovered. You know, they're, they're, the remains were never recovered. And, um, and I thought maybe we are far enough from that time where it's not going to feel exploitative because I didn't want it to be. It, the book is not about 9-11. It's about a, a man who seized that moment to try to change his life. And, um, and I hope that, that people who lost someone at that time, I hope they don't read into this story that that I d am not sympathetic because I'm enormously sympathetic. I lost friends down there and people I knew. The, I lived in a building with a firehouse, and, and most of those firemen didn't come out. Um, but it was an interesting exercise in how would you do it? How If you wanted to get away, how would you do that? And this guy seemingly had all the bases covered, but uh, he was no match for our hero who goes through. Uh, actually, and I love the way you, you bring in some of the technology that I can't tell from reading your book if that's fact or fiction. Some of the, the facial recognition technology that is so precise. Is that an imagination or is that really happening? That is really happening. Uh, much of the technology that, that this 
team uses uh, does exist. Now, not all of it exists for the general consumer. How do you know about all this, Don? Um, having spent a lot of time with the military, they've got bells and whistles that, that we have no concept of how sophisticated it is. But facial reg- recognition is is out there in an amazing way and to a degree that we're not even really familiar with. A little frightening. Yeah. Just don't do anything wrong. Yeah. You must do a lot of research. I mean, uh, you're just either that or, or maybe you do own these sports cars that go from zero to 200 in, in six seconds. I mean, your level of detail is part of what makes it great. It's not bogged down detail. It's you, you manage to do it in a light, fun way that that brings you along for the ride. You, you know, you, some of the places uh, that you that we visit in this book, which I've never said the name of it yet, by the way. I'm surprised not, you haven't jumped in there and smacked me. <laughs> Uh, is um, and it's it's do a little good, yeah, uh, do a little wrong. Damn it, that's okay. <laughs> Can I say damn it on this thing? Okay, <laughs> do a little wrong. Sorry about that. But it's part of a larger quote yes. that, that I'm messing up. Tell me about. Yeah, it. it's it's Shakespeare from uh, the, the Merchant of Venice, and it and it is uh, to do a great right, do a little wrong. You had to think about it too. I did. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get the, that first part there wrong. Because all, all of my Shakespearean scholar friends would, would come down on me, but that that was the whole idea. This this foundation and, and Kyle Royce, they are willing to break the law, to bend the law, to do extra legal activities, to do international illegal activities, all in the pursuit of of their mission, which is to to find the missing. And so that when I was starting to write the book, I didn't have a title for it yet, and. Uh, and then that came to me one day. I, rem- I remembered hearing it somewhere and had to look it up because I wasn't sure which, you know, author <laughs> had had actually uh, written that. But it was interesting to me that it was Shakespeare because, um, in some ways, this is a Shakespearean story. Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned international travel, and that's what I was going to get to before I flummox the name of your book. And that is, our hero is in Rio at one point. Our hero is in the Bahamas at one point. Please tell me that for your research, you had to go there. Uh, unfortunately, no. I had no budget on on this particular book. I um, my my first two books, uh, A Tight Lie and Water Hazard, I had an expense account with the publisher, and this one I was putting it up myself. So no, but I have been to those places, and so I through uh, going online and also reading books, I was able to refresh my memory about certain certain aspects of these cities and these places that that to, in order to give that kind of authentic detail that you know like the park that he he met his source in in Europe and those kinds of things that I wanted to be able to make it real if anybody ever happened to go there I wanted them to say hey this is yeah this is how he wrote it when you're doing a when you're crashing a piece for the CBS evening news on deadline you have i don't know minutes yeah sometimes to put it together when you're writing a novel a couple hundred pages What's your process? What's your time frame? How do you how do you do it? That's what's that's what it is also therapeutic about it for me. I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time at airports, on airplanes, sitting on the tarmac. I spend a lot of time in hotel rooms, and then I have I make some time on the weekends when I'm deep into a project like this. Um, so the the research is very enjoyable to kind of start trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. But I'm not one of these writers that does all the little post-it notes on the wall and plots it all out to the nth degree. I'm, I'm more like um, Lee Child. Uh, he and I had a conversation a while back because he was kind enough to read one of my first books and, and do a little write-up on it, blurb on it. And I've always loved his stories. Jack Reacher's just a great 
all-time great character. Um, but he was talking about that writing a novel is a journey of discovery for the writer sometimes. And that's what it is for me, where I kind of know the, the beginning character, the main plot line, and maybe where it's going to end up, although not always. Uh, but I kind of know, okay, I'm going to send him out in this direction and see what happens. And sometimes you go down the rabbit hole and you say, yeah, this is not working. I got to do something else here. Or what that does is then you got to figure out how you're going to get the character out of that situation. So it's not deeply thought out ahead of time where, you know, they, they teach you in, in writing class to do your outline and then do it deeper and then do it deeper. Where, and then eventually your outline becomes your, your whole book. That's not how I write. I write more kind of trying to find out what this guy is going to do myself and rather than knowing exactly all the way. As, as we on the air sometimes ad-lib ourselves into a box or into a hole, do you ever write yourself into that, into that hole where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going this way. I'm going to abandon this story. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And in fact, um, there, were, there were certain aspects. T- uh, with Kyle, it is, it is exactly as you described. He's kind of a guy you want to punch in the face if, if, he, wasn't, if he didn't have this altruistic side of him. Um, and so there, I, was, I was on a razor's edge with him in terms of acceptable uh, attributes for a wealthy young playboy – that A, wasn't cliched, and B, wasn't dis- so dislikable that, that people were going to go, well, I don't care what this guy does. I just don't like this guy. And so there were certain things that I would write that he would do, and I was like, yeah, no, my, my wife would not like this guy. <laughs> I wondered about that, your wife or your kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. or your public people who think they know you. Yeah. And through your writing, we're really getting in, into a peek into your fantasies, how your mind works. Yeah. Are there things – so I guess that answers the question. There are things you'll pull back from. You want, it's not a complete uh, expose of your soul. Yes, exactly. And these characters aren't me. As much as I wish I was as you know, resourceful and dashing and, and uh, funny as, <laughs> as he is. Every guy reading that wants that character to be him. Yes, yeah, and, and wants his girlfriend to be theirs. I, I know. <laughs> yes. and that, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a certain voyeurism involved in that as well. Um, the, the, the main characters that I write, though, ultimately are, are guys I'd like to hang out with. And maybe even guys that that I envy in a way. Even the the deeply flawed character Huck Doyle in the, in my first two novels, um, you know, a, a former a, a failed lawyer who is almost a failed professional golfer, but he's clinging to his PGA card by the skin of his teeth. Uh, has a lot of family issues that he deals with, but he's a guy that that ultimately I I would really enjoy sitting and talking to. And that's that's my measure for a main character is a someone who's doing something interesting, and b someone who is interesting themselves. That would be you. Yeah, I wish. Don Taylor, <laughs> great talking to you. Talk to so you. it's called. Not a tight lie. That was the first one. Water hazard was the second one. Right. See, I read these books. Yes. This is called Do a Little Wrong, and it's wherever you get your books, right? Well, right now it's exclusive to Amazon. Uh, it's only can... on Amazon. <laughs> but that, hopefully that'll, that'll get broader. But right now it's on Amazon.com. Yeah, it's a great read. If you want to watch what was really a fun interview between Wayne and Don, check out the video on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash WCBS 880. Walter Mosley is best known for his best-selling series featuring Detective Easy Rollins. His newest book is Down the River, Onto the Sea, and in it, he introduces us to his latest protagonist, a former cop named Joe King Oliver, 
now working as a PI in Brooklyn, whose latest case involves a black civil rights activist accused of murdering two police officers. He gave our Pat Farnack the scoop. I wanted you to know that your book passed the subway test. Reading it, I almost missed my stop twice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice. I noticed the dedication for Malcolm, Medgar, and Martin. So that indicates to me that this may have been percolating for quite some time. Yeah, the, the book itself—it's—it's it, it's a mystery. It's—it's a—it's you know—it's popular fiction. It's a crime. It's a detective. All that stuff. But but the underlying story is, is about two black men who are very very different, very different experiences. Matter of fact, antithetical experiences. But. They have the same problem in the society. They've been blamed and uh, convicted one way or another of crimes they didn't commit. And it's how, in the end, that if you want to take care of yourself, if you want to take care of the people you love, you have to do it yourself. And it's been something I have been thinking of for a very long time. And, And people who go against you know, the tie, uh, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, those are people who I just wanted to tell them I heard what they were saying. Joe King Oliver is a man who can't um, or won't forget. But he quotes his grandma in the first few pages. Uh, she said, every man gets what he deserves. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a very, there's a harsh reality that his grandmother brings to his life. Uh, there are no excuses. Or you, can, you can have excuses, but you're still going to end up in the same position, the same place. Can't lie to yourself, I guess. That's right. And even if you do lie to yourself, the, the world will uh, disabuse you of that lie. Why is this on his mind after all, all these years? I guess because he hasn't set things right? He's been upset about being kicked out of the police department. Uh, ever since it happened. But he was also broken by his experience in in prison. And also he had another another issue. He needed to take care of his daughter. But now the time has come. He he can do it. He has the money to do it. And his daughter is, she's fine. She's going to be okay. And so he decides that he has to do it. And that same grandmother tells him, she says, you have to do this because you have to do what's right. There is such a sweetness to the story because of Asia, the daughter. Why, thank you. And I, I really thought that it it just imbued the whole story with, I, I just had to know what was going to happen to Asia and what he was going to do about having Asia in his life. I really think that it propelled the story uh, even more than the main story did. <laughs> well, I'm glad you, you feel like that. I think, I think in an important way, uh, in almost all my books, children are seen as having the ability to parent their parents, their love for their parents, their belief in their parents, and, and also the love they cause in, in a way helps the parent along in their own job, what they're trying to do. I mean, he's still the father. He still, you know, uh, tries to guide her in the right way. But he learns along the way that, that that's not as easy as it seems. And her love for him makes him feel responsible for what he's engendered. 
I I also liked uh, Joe King Oliver's guilt. It was it really made him even more human. Uh, he, he talks about how he he uh, was cured of his roaming ways by what happened to him when he was framed. But yet he really was getting frisky with a woman who was not his wife, and that was a big part of his downfall. And he seems to be reliving that from uh, throughout the book. Yeah, well, you know, you are who you are. You, you, try to, you, try, you try to do it in a better way. You try to become more mature, more responsible, try to do the things that are right in life. And I think he does in certain places in the novel. He doesn't get completely lost in who he was. But who he was still comes back to him. Yeah. Speaking of maturity, I, I saw your birth date. And it's it's very close to mine, by the way. <laughs> do you okay. do you feel more of an urgency these days to get things down on your page, or, or or do you take more time now in crafting your work, or no difference? I'm not sure if I take more time, but I might pay as as time goes on. I pay more attention, but that's a lot because I know more. I came to writing very late. My first novel was published when I was 38 years old. Oh, I'm 66 now. I've written, uh, published 53, 54 books, depending on how you look at it. I don't think, so I don't think I could be any more in a rush than I have been. I, you know, I just do a lot of writing. What are you working on now? I have a, a, another novel coming out in September. This is what, you know, for lack of a better term, a literary novel oh. called John Woman that I worked on for many years. Uh, I'm very excited about that book. I've been doing work in Hollywood. I just wrote an episode for John Singleton's series, uh, Snowfall, on, on FX. Oh, oh congratulations. Uh, I'm, and I'm trying, I'm trying to do some other kind of stuff like that. Working on a musical. I'd like to do Devil in a Blue Dress as a musical. I'm oh. working on that. So, yeah, I've been all over the place, working <laughs> hard, having fun. Now, what about down down the river onto the sea as uh, on the big screen or the little screen? You know, I, it would be wonderful. You know, and as, as I said to somebody yesterday, because of uh, you know, Black Panther, there's a window of about six to nine months where uh, black content in movies is going to be more looked at. And then, of course, we'll close down again. But the, the, the truth is <laughs> that there's, you know, there's a chance of it. And we'll see, you know, who's interested in, in what. I'd love to see that. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to talk to me. Again, I really enjoyed the book. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. And that's our show for this week. Next time, we'll introduce you to an author whose debut novel tackles one of life's really big questions. What happens to us after we die? His answer might surprise you as well as inspire you. And if you want to know more about what we're working on in between podcasts, keep tabs on us on Twitter at WCBS 880 Books.